The coffee is brewed, the cups are new, lights are on, cameras rolling, and she's still cramming for the show. Learn how to give a proper apologetic or defense for your faith with Battleship Apologetics this season on Creation Today, starting August 20th at creationtoday.org. here at the Answers in Genesis Pastors Conference in Cincinnati, Ohio at the Creation Museum. We just got to hear a great lecture from Dr. Terry Mortensen. Fantastic lecture. And Dr. Mortensen, we would like everyone that is that did not go to go. But because our time is limited, if there was one thing that you could let those that are watching, you'd say, man, this was helpful or I think would be helpful to you about what you shared. Could you share that with us? Well, uh, Ben, what I talked about was the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of people in the church say that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. And lots of Christian leaders and scholars have, have been hammering that point ever since the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy uh, met back in 1978. Mm. Um, but what I showed in the lecture is that most of the, of the men who have signed that, that document and have been talking about inerrancy have accepted the millions of years and that what they're actually that that position is actually undermining the inerrancy of scripture because there's no way you can fit the millions of years into the biblical text you have to overlook the details of the biblical text overlook some of the details of what the evolutionists say happened you have to uh, ignore the order of events in genesis 1 and in the evolution story and so that's just a very subtle way of saying the Bible's wrong. We've got to interpret it in a different way to make it fit with what the majority of geologists and cosmologists say, which is undermining the authority of Scripture because it's making the, the claims of scientists as authoritative and the interpretive grid for interpreting the Word of God. So what's the big deal? What if there's a few errors, Dr. Mortensen? What's the problem with that? The problem with it is that how, how do you decide and who decides where the heirs are in the Bible? Uh, the problem with that is that Jesus, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus uh, said that his word is true and uh, he, he and the apostles gave no indication that there were any heirs. On the contrary, they said it's inspired by God. The God of truth can't produce heir. And so uh, it, once, we, once we open the door to heir, then man becomes the person to decide, well, I, I agree with that, so I'll accept that. I don't agree with that. And we're seeing in our culture the, the, uh, the moral chaos that we are racing into. You know, the Bible's not authoritative on the age of the earth. Well, it's not authoritative on gender. It's not authoritative on marriage. It's not authoritative on morality. Um, and, you know, for many, uh, they're, they're even questioning whether you know, the, the idea of open theism, that God doesn't know the future. And there are all kinds of attacks because it's, it's, like, uh, it's like a crack in the dam. Once the water starts leaking through, it's only a matter of time before that dam fails. And the idea of millions of years historically is, is the crack 200 years ago that led to the acceptance of Darwin's theory that came after that and then the evolution of man, and now the, the total moral chaos in the once Christian West, uh, the, the authority of the Bible has been rejected completely by the culture. 
So rejecting a few small things really does make a difference in the long term. It does. And, and what we've got to see is that if you just look at a small slice of time, well, it didn't affect anything this week. But if we take a bigger view, we see the, the collapse of Western civilization. And it's because uh, Western Europe, Great Britain, and North America were once powerfully impacted by biblical Christianity. And the church is dying in those con continents. And we're seeing the fruit of that. What do we do though when we got an expert over here saying one thing and an expert over here is saying something that seems the exact opposite? You know, you talked about millions of years undermining the integrity and the authority of scripture. Help our listeners understand what do we do when we have these two views? Well, the first thing we should conclude is that one of those godly Christian leaders and scholars is wrong. <laughs> because you, you can't, I mean, if they we have two different views. No. And or they're that, both are wrong. Right, or they're both <laughs> wrong. And that's an uncomfortable thought for us, mm. that really godly Christian scholars who've written lots of books that have helped the church and, and, and uh, helped Christians, that they're wrong. But if we are biblical in understanding of the nature of man, the Bible says we're all sinners. Mm. None of us have a perfect understanding of the scriptures and of the world. The only human being who never made a mistake was Jesus of Nazareth. Absolutely. I've always so, said we're, we're all inflammable. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, <laughs> You're uh, on fire so, right now, so, Eric. So therefore, we need, to, we need to listen to each other, iron sharpening iron, right. and we need to submit all of our thinking and the thinking of, of the greatest scholars to the Word of God. Wow. And uh, we need to check what they say. And we need to be opening our Bible when we read their books. And maybe the verse that they have in parentheses doesn't actually say what they said in the sentence. And, uh, you know, another thing that I'm concerned about is that I, I see in, in the evangelical world um, a growing problem of scholars stealing the Bible from the man in the pew. Because the, the man in the pew is, is more and more being influenced to think well, there's no way I can really understand the Bible. I have to have the scholar tell me what it means. But you see, in, in biblical Christianity, there are no popes. There's no college of cardinals. Uh, we each need to be reading our Bible. And if we have a good English translation, we can understand what it says. And we don't have to have the scholar. Now, we need scholars, but we, we can't allow them to just tell us what the Bible means. We need to be reading the scriptures ourselves thinking ourselves about the Word of God and comparing what the Word of God says to any Christian leader or scholar. We just heard from Dr. Albert Moeller, president of a seminary, and I think even he as a scholar would say, you're exactly right. We, you at home need to be studying to show yourself approved workmen that needed not to be ashamed. And Eric, you tell me all the time I'm supposed to just trust whatever you say. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people haven't noticed that we see examples of this uh, this, uh, this, this fact, this fallibility of man, even in the pages of Scripture. So think, for example, of uh, Matthew 16, where Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, who do men say that I am? Mm. And uh, they give him various answers. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're right. And flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father is in heaven. And, and it was another way of saying, uh, you just got an A on your th theology wow. exam. And then the scripture tells us right after that, 
that Jesus began to tell the disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem and die at the hands of sinful men. And Peter, in essence, said, no, you're not, Lord. And, and the, verse, the next verse says in verse 23 that Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an hindrance to me because you're setting your mind on the things of man rather than the things of God. Hang on, I thought Peter was the first pope. <laughs> no, he wasn't the first pope. And, you know, he had walked on water. Yeah. None of the other disciples did. He'd been on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John. The other disciples weren't. He, he was obviously a man who believed in Christ as the Messiah of Israel. And yet at that moment, he was thinking wrong. Hmm. And good. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So at that moment, Peter, the one who'd walked on water, who'd seen the transfigured Christ, had become a mouthpiece for Satan. So what are some examples today of where Jesus, if it was somebody in a church saying this, Jesus would say probably that same thing. Or you right? want him to name names? <laughs> well, you don't have to name names. I'm just going in. Or well, what are there, some there, cases? there are what pastors are some... and Christian leaders and scholars. What who are they are, saying? That's, that's... They, they tell the church, oh, you, you, you can accept the Big Bang. You can accept millions of years. Uh, you, can, uh, you can believe that Noah's flood was a local flood in the Middle East. Uh, there's no problem with that. Just believe in Jesus. You don't have to worry about that. Let the scientists determine that. Uh, I w quoted a, a theology text that said uh, two leading theologians at, two evangel uh, at an evangelical seminary, they said responsible geology must determine the length of the creation days in Genesis 1. Wow. No, way. no. Bible study determines <laughs> the length of the days. And don't you think that going to the Bible and thinking through this also gives us a bit of humility. So we say, you know, I, I try to base everything on the scripture. Peter was trying to get the right answer in the test, yet he made a mistake. So all of us at times, we don't have it all figured out. We make mistakes from time to time. So I think even that attitude that the Bible is the authority, we try to understand it as best we can, but we understand even as, you know, I, I preach, Eric's a preacher, you're a preacher, that we, we make mistakes. Except yeah. for you. you you're no, always no, no, no. You don't have to be with me about 12 hours. <laughs> but that's why often uh, when, I, when I've been in teaching situation, I've told my students, listen, uh, I have not planned to tell you anything wrong, but I'm sure there are mistakes in my lecture. Mm -hmm. So if you, th if you think there's, that, that I've not uh, interpreted a, a verse correctly, I want you to challenge me because I don't have a perfect understanding of the scriptures. And if my students or if I'm a, a pastor and I'm encouraging my people to, to do that, I'm going to be a better preacher because they're going to keep me on my toes and, and they're going to keep driving me back to the scriptures. And you know, in, in Isaiah 66, God says, To this one I will look, in verse 2, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. And, and that has to be true in each of our lives. That has to be true when my wife comes to me and tells me that I answered harshly to my kids or I failed to do what I said I was going to do. And I need to humble myself and, and admit that. Or when somebody says, you know, Terry, that verse doesn't say what you just said it said. <laughs> and we need to have the humility to say, okay, I'm under the authority of the Word of God. Man. But you know, there's, a, there's another uh, example here of Peter that I think we can learn from. In, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Paul came to Antioch and Paul says that he confronted Peter because 
he was, he was caving in to the fear of the party of the circumcision. That is the pressure, the peer pressure of Jewish Christians. And he wasn't eating with Gentile Christians. And you think, well, that's an innocent thing. What, what's the big deal about what, who you eat with? But Paul saw it as a threat to the gospel. And you know, we, we warn teenagers to not cave into peer pressure. Right. But let's be honest, peer pressure affects us whether we're eight or 18 or 68. Mm. And what the world thinks or what the majority of scholars think or what the majority of evangelical scholars think can have a huge pressure on us. And we have to keep coming back to the Word of God because people can make mistakes. Lots of people in a big group can make mistakes. In the history of science, the majority of scientists have been wrong many yeah, times. That's amazing. And, and in the history of the church, the majority of theologians and Christian leaders have been wrong on, on certain points. But we have a book <laughs> exactly. that is never wrong. That's now, right. Something I'm wondering, Ben, is for the pastors that weren't here at the conference, they didn't get to experience this, and they might be saying, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying, Dr. Mortensen, but uh, does this really matter? I mean, is this, you guys really harp on this whole God created the world in six literal days, and you guys make a big deal about this. I mean, come on, is this really something, something I should I, focus I, on? I, I think church? it is, and I was reading an, an article just the other day by uh, somebody who claims to be an evangelical Christian who's uh, <clears throat> very critical of Answers in Genesis, and he said, you people are making this a salvation issue. We hear that over and over again, and we have never said that. In fact, we have said just the opposite. It's not a salvation issue. A person doesn't get saved by believing in six days of creation or in a global flood. And a person isn't lost for rejecting those things. It's all based on what we do with Jesus and whether we have repented of our sins and trusted in Him alone for our salvation. But what we do say is, that Genesis is foundational to the gospel. And so the issue of the age of the earth is a gospel issue, not a salvation issue. That is, if we start messing with the early chapters of Genesis and saying, oh, well, it's not really history, it's sort of a symbolic, poetic thing, um, we are undermining the authority of the scriptures because Jesus and the apostles took the early chapters of Genesis as literal history and the whole reason that Jesus came to die was because there was a real man and a real woman in a real garden that really were deceived by a real serpent, Satan speaking through that serpent and that guy I read the article, he was scoffing at that, but God spoke through Balaam's donkey. Yeah. If we start messing with that, early chapters of Genesis, yeah. we're, we're going to be messing with other scriptures. True. I'm curious about that article. So you're saying that the person in the article did not believe in any original sin, sin narrative? Well, he, I, don't, I don't know what he believes because he believes in evolution. So he's going to believe in human evolution. He's got to be taking, he didn't say enough to know how, how, how does he take Genesis. But he just made these, these comments and he wants to argue that he's an evangelical Christian and we're condemning him and saying that he's not saved. We're not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. Only God knows whether he's saved. But the, the issue is that it's a gospel issue, I not a salvation. That, that to me is huge. I'm definitely stealing that because when you say, look, this is a gospel issue, not a salvation issue. That is Twitter worthy. Put it out there right now. That's a good one. I like yeah. that. <laughs> and, and you're not even attacking him. You're saying, no. hey, let's get back to scripture. And the men that I, I quoted in my lecture this afternoon, I'm not attacking them. I'm not 
saying they're lousy Christians. I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm saying though that they're wrong on this point and that it has had a huge negative impact on the church because most of the church has treated them, they don't claim to be popes, but most of the church has treated oh. them as popes or a college of cardinals and said, well, uh, the majority of evangelical scholars in our seminaries around the world don't believe in young earth. So it obviously isn't important and it's probably not true. Now, truth is not determined by majority vote. Okay, <laughs> you are a lover of history. You've seen the history of geology, the history, you love history. Where has this idea of millions of years taken us and then based on our history, based on what you know about the past, where are we going as a church? And, as, and even as a culture? Well, um, there's been 200 years of compromise with the millions of years. And, uh, and then when Darwin's theory came along, which was based on the millions of years, right. then much of the church uh, accepted that. And we call those churches liberal, theologically liberal. They don't believe the gospel. They've reinvented the gospel. It's just a religion of good works and social, social justice. Uh, and good works and social justice are good things, and the Bible tells us we be, should be doing those, but that's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're, we're seeing the, if you, if you look at, you know, Western Europe and Great, and Great Britain used to be great missionary sending countries, and the church in, in Western Europe is, is almost dead. Right. The number of churches that are Bible-believing in Western Europe is minuscule. Uh, and most of the churches are liberal and they, they have no defense against the, the growing uh, movement of Islam. Uh, secularism can't stand against Islam. Uh, and in Great Britain, at the end of the Second World War, I think uh, I read once that something like 45% of British, Christ, uh, British people went to church every Sunday at the end of the Second World War. It's down to about 5% now. Recent article predicted that the, the Methodist denomination in Britain may not survive another 10 years. They're losing members so fast. And we're seeing the same kind of decline in the mainline churches here in the United States. And we're seeing increasingly people who profess to believe in, in, in uh, to, to be evangelicals saying we can accept homosexuality, we can accept abortion. Uh, and it, it's, it's an assault on the authority of Scripture. And so where is it going? Well, I'm not a prophet, but uh, I think we're going to continue to see that slide at the same time that I think as a result of the work of, of uh, Answers in Genesis and Creation Today and the Creation Research Society and the Institute for Creation Research and other creation groups, there are a lot of Christians and pastors who are really seeing the foundational importance of Genesis and they are becoming galvanized and they're being called back to the authority of Scripture. And so I think we're going to see uh, in, in the days ahead, I think we're going to see maybe the number of, of professing Christians is going to dwindle, but the, the purity of the Christians yeah. who are really standing for, for Scripture and the truth of the gospel, they're going to shine more brightly. Um, but I, I personally think that we may be seeing increasing persecution. We're already seeing that. Right. Um, and. Uh, we need to we need to stand strong and there's no way we can stand against that cultural onslaught if we are not firm on the word of god wow one thing and that that's good stuff i know man one and we got it 
I missed the fist bump there. I'm sorry. There but right. one thing that I think is so important, too, is for people to understand that it's not just about being right for the sake of going, oh, I'm right. But when someone understands their created purpose, oh. now all of a sudden their life is different. And it is heartbreaking to see the confusion in families and in humans. We're losing our humanness. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I, I don't think you feel like, oh, I'm just right so I can say I'm right. No. But I'm right so that I can, so that people can live the humanness that God created them to, to be. And, and also to, to deal with the, the tragedies and the sorrows of life. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day, a guy in my church who, who works uh, at the casket company. Um, but one of his co-workers professes to be a Christian, but he doesn't behave like one. You know, he swears and he just, it just, but he's not going to church, but his wife is probably a major influence in that. And my friend at church said, the, the reason is, is because her dad died a few years ago from some disease and she prayed and asked God to heal her dad and he didn't heal him and so she's turned against God. Well you see if we don't if we don't understand Genesis that God created a, a perfect world where there was no death and disease and suffering and that man sinned and that brought the judgment of God on the creation if we don't understand that we don't understand that death and disease and suffering came into the world because of sin then we're gonna blame God we're going to say, well, God isn't caring, He doesn't love, or He's impotent to do anything about this. In reality, He's very loving, He's very caring, and He allows the suffering so that we're constantly reminded of, of the high treason that we committed against the King of the universe, but that He sent His Son to be the provision for our sin and to give us the grace to uh, persevere through those those trials and what a difference it makes. We've got a friend of the ministry here who's dying of, of uh, cancer. The, the doctors, he's on hospice now, he's, he's not gonna make it. Um, and he's being a witness to the doctors and the nurses, mm -hmm. rejoicing in the Lord. There's no bitterness, he's not right. blaming God. He's rejoicing because he knows the God of creation and he understands why there's cancer in the world. It's not because he personally sinned, it's just because we live in a fallen world. Okay, leads me to another thought. When you mentioned that, look what happened in Europe, the number of people that went to church, the number of people in church now, and we see that coming here. You sticking? I'm <laughs> these, these chairs. chairs <laughs> when you see that, would you say we are, and maybe this is too much of an end times type question, I don't know, but could this be some of the great falling away? I mean, are we experiencing that right now? I, I can't tell you how many people I say I hear say, I used to be a Christian, and man, I, I, I'm, I'm not that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. And I, it's just more and more and more, and I just see a lot of that, and I'm wondering yeah. what it is. Well, it's, it's really hard to, to say. You know, um, Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Yeah. Uh, the scriptures give us signs, but... Um, we, we can't be super dogmatic because there have been many times in history where the church looked at signs and they said, you know, we're, we're theirs. So, Every dogmatic time, they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, there have been some dark, dark hours in the, in the history uh, in the last 2,000 years. Uh, you know, you think of the Black Plague in Europe oh and, and uh, of course, the Second World War, the First World War. So, um, but we're, Scripture 
does Jesus and Paul both said, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul told Timothy, preach the word because a time will come when men will want, uh, they'll turn away from the truth and they'll want to have their ears tickled. Uh, and, and Peter warned about false teaching. So the scriptures tell us this is going to happen. And that's why we need to, we need to personally be coming back to the word every day. We need to be helping our kids do that. We need to be uh, iron sharpening iron in each, each other's lives. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we have a spiritual enemy, the Bible says, and he hates Christian leaders. And so he's going to try to attack us. And I'm, I'm certain Satan would never try to attack Answers in Genesis or Creation Today <laughs> on the issue of evolution. <laughs> he's going to try some other strategy. Oh, yeah. yeah in our personal lives or, you know, some Absolutely. moment of weakness. And so Absolutely. we've just, we've got to be vigilant and uh, we've got to really trust Him. But what we're doing right now is an important part of that. And uh, those that are watching and fusing our lives with truth and tuning into the show and reading the great resources and things that are available. Um, so Dr. Mortensen, thank you for being a part of our journey as we look to the truth of the Word of God. Great to be with you guys. I'd love for you to end by just looking right in that camera and talking to the person that is not yet fully convinced and tell them why the persecution you just talked about is worth it. Well, it's worth it uh, because the truth matters. And what the Bible tells us is what you know. The Bible tells us that we know there's a God from the creation around us and from our conscience. When we do things wrong, even by our own standards, we have a guilty conscience. And that's because the Bible says God has written His law on our hearts. And so God made us, we know that, but every one of us at, at some part of our life, before we come to faith in Christ, we suppress that truth because of sin. And Jesus came to set us free and he said that his grace is sufficient for us. His power is perfected in weakness. And the testimony down through the ages is of, of Christians who even faced uh, brutal death. They remained faithful to Jesus because they knew that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And they knew that their sins were forgiven and they were on the way to heaven. And so we can trust God and we can be faithful to him. And uh, I pray that I will be, I pray that you guys will be, that my, my kids and my wife will be, and that we will have an impact on others to, to cause them to stand strong, just like our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in communist countries, uh, have, have remained faithful to the Lord. Battleship Apologetics, this season on Creation Today, starting August 20th at creationtoday.org.